that's the real Jodie Kay, you're an idiot. You think you're saying special because you phoned up a, a, a call-in show? Hi, hi Kia, thanks for having me on. Should white people also start playing identity politics now before they become a minority themselves by 2066? Most people feel that where there's an injustice, it needs to be put right. There is um, racial inequality, there is injustice. If anything, the racial inequality is now against the indigenous people of Britain. And we just have to look across to the Middle East. You know, Israel has a state law that they are the only people in that country to have self-determination. Well, why can't I, as a, as a white British female, have that same right? We, we all have those rights. Right, 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 right. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is you are listening from. I am Jodie Kay. This is Truth Hurts, episode number one on Speak Free Radio. And this episode is about me. Um, and there's a reason for that, because for those of you that don't know who I am, I feel it's only right just to introduce myself so you know who I am. Um, and if you may be spending some of your online time with me and I'll be sharing my story of how I converted from a raving liberal Protestant to an active nationalist that questioned the leader of the opposition, Labour, Sir Keir Starmer, about Israel's nation state law live on national radio, which was the beginning clip. I do just have to stress, this is not my natural voice. I was out at the weekend for uh, a Christmas dinner with some with some nationalists, some of the most experienced nationalists in the UK. And little did we know there was a rock band on right next to us. And so we really had to shout in order to hear each other. So I assure you, I don't often sound like this, um, but to make up for it, I will be playing some music so you don't have to listen to, to this croak. So episode number one, meet your host, Jodie Kay. And when I was first introduced to Tan Staffel's work, uh, The Age of Treason, who also appears on Speak Free Radio, I really liked that he shared a bit about himself and his background before he went into his, his work and his research, which helped to give an idea of how and why he reached the conclusions he did with his research and why he started to look into the areas that he did. And I thought, well, if you're going to be listening to someone, it's nice to know their background. I am very... I do wear my heart on my sleeve. If you, um, the more you listen, the more you'll get to know I am, I do wear my heart on my sleeve. I do also repeat myself. And so in the same fashion as Tan Staffel, I'd like to do the same. Um, so just bear with me whilst I introduce myself. If some things do seem irrelevant and you think, why on earth is she telling us this? I assure you it will make sense at a later date. We've all had different paths we've all had different to use the term wake wake ups and as tan did um i just want to share where i was to show my trajectory because i was um a raving as i've said um a raving liberal protestant that's now an active nationalist so that's an interesting journey that got me there and because I was liberal, I was what you would call on the left, I hear lots of people 
saying, you know, if they're on the left, they're too far gone. If they're liberal, they're too far gone. Leave them, leave them where they are. I'm proof that that isn't the case. Um, I think as, as the show's called Truth Hurts, I think if you genuinely want to find the truth, and it's not just the truth that makes you feel comfortable or it's the truth that you've been brought up with or it's the truth that you know. If you dare divulge further, and it can be it can be dark, it can be unwanted, it can be very unpleasant, but the truth has a frequency and the truth hurts. Hence the name of the show, HZ, Truth Hurts. It is a frequency and you know when you find it. It, you, you feel it. It's like it's like love. You know, you know when you feel love, and it's the same with truth. So, if some things we say oh, we don't care about, just if something isn't relevant to you, just hang on and wait for the next part. So, please forgive me as well if things don't follow necessarily chronologically, and if I jump around a bit, they are all pieces of the same puzzle. So, hopefully, if, as the weeks go on, it will all fall into place. And you'll have more of an idea of my bra- my background, what got me here, and what inspires me to keep going. So I was born and raised in the east of England, in the United Kingdom, and I grew up in a Church of England home, which is Protestant. And I always knew God. I always had the presence of God. I was always in prayer. I was never made to go to church. And so I didn't attend as a child unless it was weddings, baptisms or special services in the church. But I've always had God's presence, always. And I lived in a, in a rundown area and I recently started calling it the Baby Bronx because um, it, was, it was really rundown. Um, it was majority, hugely majority white area, but there was lots of crime. There were teenage suicides, accidental deaths, people stealing cars, drugs, teenage mums. It was really, it was really a rough area. And I was one of the odd ones out because my parents remained together as a couple, as they are to this day. And so growing up in such a broken society was, was extremely difficult for everyone there. And there was this kind of sense of, oh, what's the point? And it, it, everyone just felt very heavy and you know so it's that broken window syndrome uh, smashed window so if there's a smashed window and you don't fix it well then the crap gets bigger and then you know the door might fall off and then the roof starts falling so if you can fix the crack in the first place and take care of of your surroundings but as I say it was majority white where I lived I had friends who were non-white and I didn't even see them as as non-white obviously my eyes saw but the the race and the color of someone's skin was as important to me as the color of someone's eyes or the color of someone's hair it was that irrelevant so i had been completely deracinated and they were my friends you know we i played basketball with them we got on very well um i was completely deracinated and with the move being low, low to my parents' anguish, as you do when you're young, I got involved with the wrong crowd. And at that time, it was just so that I could fit in. And luckily, I was introduced to music 
from a very, very, very early age. And that was my saving grace. So I found escapism in listening to music. Um, I found escapism in, in playing instruments, learning new instruments, writing songs. And I'm going to play a few of my songs this evening, which is good, um, as I say, so you don't have to listen to the croak. So with me being a very, very loving child, very loving child, very open, very caring, I, I sought the best in everyone and I always sought the truth. And so after school, after college, I didn't complete college. I was learning a music course in college, but I didn't continue with my course. I started doing care work. I was working with um, deaf children. I was working with adults who were deaf blind. I was working in primary schools with children with special needs. And my very nature is to care and to give. And growing up, especially in the area I did, I, I feel this was the presence of God within me, that I always had this sense that, well, I know what love feels like. And I could see many people that didn't know love, which I think was the absence of God. And so I would really seek to reach out to them and want to hold their hands and talk to them and hug them and let them know, you know, life is worth it. I am a raging optimist, always have been, always will be. I don't take, as you know, people say, the black pill. I don't. Life happens and it is happening very strong, very thick and very fast right now. So my very nature is to give and to love. And my parents always used to say that I always went for the underdog. I looked out for the underdog for that very reason of of wanting to love them, wanting to bring God into their lives. And after the the care system I saw was falling apart, this was back in 2005. So broken society, even back then, I saw it, I was living in it, but I didn't, I didn't really understand how and why it was broken. So I will be getting into that as the weeks go on as well. And so when I was working in the schools with children, they offered me, um, you know, to become an actual teacher and care, you know, have my own class. And I, there was nothing more I could have wanted than to have a class full of children who are so eager to learn and listen and discover and have the truth. But even in 2005, 2010, between those years, the system was broken. And I thought, if I spend my life as a teacher, two things are going to happen. I'm either going to be swept along with the the wave of the broken society, yeah, this this oppression, which I didn't know the words for it back then. I would have been swept along by this oppression for children, this propaganda, this indoctrination. Or I would have spent my whole life fighting the system and every day would have been a challenge. And I, I thought, I can't, I, I physically can't do that. I don't want either of those. So I quit my school job and moved to a tiny island in the Mediterranean 
near Spain. It's called Ibiza, which has quite a party reputation. And even as I was saying goodbye to the children, I didn't say it with my words. I said to them in my mind, I was speaking to them, and I just said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm going to find the treasure and I'm coming back. I just, I just knew from my travels there would be something of value that I could bring back. So I moved away. I left my country. I left my family. I had no roots to my country, really. It's only now that I've moved back. I'm learning the history. I'm learning the sites. I'm discovering the heritage and the strength of England that I was never taught. It was never, it was never something, it was just ignored, which is my part as well. But there wasn't this embracing of your culture and heritage in school. So I moved. And after my trip to Ibiza, I ended up traveling to India, where, again, searching for the truth. I am a musician, as I've said, I'm a sound therapist. So I work with frequency, which again, I'm going to be sharing this on future shows about the ancient Greeks and how, how they discovered the frequency and the healing capacities of sound. Sound is one of the oldest forms of medicine that we know. And Pythagoras and the Pythagoreans, they knew, they knew then of its of the, the frequency and the resonances and the power of sound. So I was led to sound. When I was in India, I was studying sound yoga. So all these little steps have have been like little stepping stones. And then back in Ibiza, working retreats, offering yoga, offering sound therapy, offering music concerts. Um, my, my dear friend, Von Hash, who I am going to talk about a lot, because he was instrumental in my, in my wake up. He kind of took me under his wing. And he was talking to me about Israel, Israelis, certain people in we way back then we were making political music but we didn't connect that the surnames meant, meant anything they were just surnames and then when as blackbird says the data dots when you start looking at the data dots and you start okay well okay so he's jewish he's a jew she's a jew she's in this power she's in this power and so i woke up to Jewish power, Jewish influence, Jewish business. But it wasn't, again, it didn't touch me. It didn't, it didn't resonate. It wasn't anything, like I said, it was as different to me as someone having different colour eyes, different colour hair. And, <clears throat> excuse me, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have a break there and play one of my songs because um, I really don't want to inflict this, this voice on you. I do blame the very, very loud rock band that we were out with. Um, so this song is called The Acorn. Um, I will explain the story behind The Acorn, why I wrote it, how I wrote it. And this is the title track for my album that I've just released. So I will play this and then I will be right back. Why? Why? 
I'm gonna plant this icon in the ground Ooh, I, ooh, I, I'm gonna dig that soil and bury it down Ooh, I, ooh, I'm gonna tend that soil with water and care Ooh, I, ooh, I, for the acorn I have planted there Ooh, I, ooh, but the acorn I will never see Ooh, I, ooh, I, when the seed becomes a mighty tree Ooh, I, and the foolish man will ask me so Ooh, I, ooh, I, why plant if you'll never see it grow Ooh, I, and the answer be as my reply Ooh, I, ooh, I, there's more to life than meets the eye For I plant it as a gift to all For those to come who are yet not born And one day when that tree stands tall I'll be a part of the earth and soil for the generations yet to come Who I will rest in a shade from the burning sun Who For what we do today will be Who I told in the tales of history Who And they'll remember song and sound Ooh, I, ooh, I, ooh, I, and the ones who lay the acorn down ooh, I, ooh, I, ooh, I, ooh, I, we are the children of the greatest man and be great again We are children of the greatest man We will rise and be great again Why? Why? Sound, who I am, and the ones who lay the acorn down, who I So that was my album title, The Acorn. And as the lyrics go, I think if I talk just softer, I think if I talk softer, I've turned my microphone up so hopefully I don't have to stress this pub band voice. Um, the acorn is, I remember being in my primary school and looking at the back of my primary school, there was this huge oak tree and I loved it. I loved the size. I loved the color. I loved the shade that it gave. And then at the particular time of year to see all these acorns on the floor, they were so pretty. 
with the little cups and I again I loved them so I used to collect acorns and then I realized oh these th this this tree comes from this tiny acorn and then when I learned the the time taken to from planting um planting the seed the nut to it becoming an acorn is very symbolic to where we are as as a people as a race because the times we have now are tumult us to say the very very least but we have to keep planting seeds and just as the acorn becomes the mighty oak in future generations as i said in the song what we do today will be told in the history of future generations so that's why that's why i am here where i am um being a singer from from a very young age i've always had a voice and as i said i grew up very drawn to to the needy to those that in need those without love those missing god those in pain that's why i went into the natural medicine field um and then one day i woke up and realized well i, I didn't wake up and realize i was told very bluntly that our people are now the ones in need and i didn't even know we had a people so the the trajectory and the journey was intense and so as i said when i was making music with von hash and we were stuck at you know the bankers and at that time it was um um was it Occupy Wall Street, the 1% versus the 99%. So that was back in 2000 and around about 2012, 2013. Um, and we actually made a song, Obama. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to ask Vaughn what the, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act, I believe, came in. I think Obama signed that. One New Year's Eve, I don't think it was 2012, I think it was maybe 2013, or maybe it was 2012, and we had a song, a track, and a video out the very next day, New Year's Day, to tell people about this um, National Defence Authorisation Act. So we were, very, we were very active back then, but we were stuck at, oh, they're bankers, or oh, they're, 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 they're journalists, or they're, they're whatever. And it was Vaughn at first looked at the relationship between names and certain families and history and bloodlines. Um, but as I said, I had been deracinated to my own race. I'd been deracinated to other races and other nations as well. And my my wake up, if you call it the the red pill, the the big the big wake up was George Floyd. I was living in Ibiza and my friend who was of mixed race, he was non he was not white, he was non-white. Again, I didn't see him as non-white. He was just my friend, but he he very clearly saw me as as a white person. And after the death of George Floyd and looking into the stories, the tale, the excuse me, the autopsy, the, the manner of the death, and the aftermath of this Black Lives Matter 
And my friend said to me, I remember we were sitting around the pool and he said, this is really good for my people. This is really good for my people because we've been oppressed for so long and this, we now getting our voices back. And I was very much in this, what do you mean your people? We're all people. We're all the one people. That's how, that's how far into the liberal field I was. It's like, as you know, you hear one race, the human race, which from, from far, 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 far away from God's view. Yes. But the closer in you get, the closer in you get, we are different. There are differences. There are differences from, from race. There are differences from different parts of the same country, the same nations. And so I just said to him, what, what do you mean your people? And he said, my people have been oppressed. My people have been torn into slavery and, and you're responsible. And I, it, whoa, what are you talking about? And he very calmly, no malice, no evil in his voice, very calmly just started telling me how evil white people were and how we are responsible for the the troubles in the world, how we were responsible for slavery, how we were responsible for the oppression. And he said that he had travelled the world and that white people, particularly English, were the most hated people around the world. Um, so he was throwing, to, to quote Tan, the litany of white sins. You know, white people have done this, white people have done this, white people have done this. And I, it, it, it literally tore my axis to the point my whole life had been torn up, my roots had been torn up, what I thought was real and true wasn't. And my life did a complete 180 and then a 360. And I had been aware, I don't know of those of you that know of Mark Collett, who is Patriotic Alternative. So I had been aware of, of him and his community that he was building. And thanks to Vaughn, I had been studying um, um, studying Jewish Jewish names, Jewish Jewish people, um, the CEO of YouTube, the CEO of um, Facebook, the CEO of Google, you know, the CEO of BBC, and so I'd 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 knew I'd known that, but I, it it like again, it meant nothing more than just oh well, they're they're clever, they're smart, until I was introduced to intersectionality, which if you haven't or you don't know the chart of intersectionality, I do highly recommend you look into this. Um, the, the guy's name slips by me, but the man who brought intersectionality into the chart, into being, I think he was also involved in the Wall Street um, financial crash. And on this chart, the, on the top half, you have the oppressors, and on the bottom half, you have the oppressed. And on the top, top, top part of this intersectionality chart for the most privileged oppression is, is the white male. And then the further around this chart you move and then right underneath the most oppressed are the Jews. So they've even separated themselves. They, they know they're not white. And they've, they've separated themselves that, and that they are the most oppressed. 
And my friend started talking to me about intersectionality and telling me, look, the, the, the white male is the most privileged, the most respected, has the most power. And I was really, really trying my best with the information and the knowledge I had at that time to, to defend this. But after he was saying this to me and I, I went home and I, and I had a, yeah, had a, I guess the, the power of white guilt, which I'd never experienced, didn't even know existed, hit me like a ton of bricks. I had a lifetime's worth of white guilt in that moment. And I thought, how, how could I have been so blind? How, how did I not know where the, where the baddies? How did I not know where the evil ones? How could I have been so foolish? And I, it was, one of the most horrific moments, and again, I, I thank Von Hash, and I do thank Mark because he put me in touch with some with some people that knew this this experience, what it's like to have this massive awakening. And I went to see Von and he was talking to me and I was physically shaking and I how have we been so blind? We're the bad guys. We it's us, we're the problem. And I I honestly being the loving, caring, nature, na- nurturing person, I, I felt guilty for being alive. I felt, I felt the intense guilt for being alive, and I didn't think I belonged to be alive. I didn't think I deserved the breath in my lungs because it's us. And little did I know that because I had been aware of, of of the people I've spoken about, you know, the people behind YouTube, Google, you name it. It wasn't my friend talking to me. It was the enemy talking through him. He had been to university. I haven't. So he he had been, I say, educated in inverted commas. He had been further indoctrinated. He had had further propaganda. And it wasn't him talking to me. It was It was our enemy talking through him. So I had this huge, huge wake uh, wake up and it threw me and for a long, long time. And because I'd been a singer for my early years, I'd been writing songs, I'd been, you know, I saw myself as this, this truth, the voice for the truth movement. And I, again, this is something I'll touch in a later week. Um, Dave McGowan's work of Laurel Canyon, Weird Scenes in the Canyon. I'm just making my way through this book because growing up, my idols and my love were was a 60s movement. I saw that as a real, you know, the people coming together, Bob Dylan, Robert Zimmerman, the people using their voice to really inspire and encourage. And I, I thought I'd been robbed of an era. I kept saying to my mum, I, I should have been born then, mum. I should have, that was my era. I, my voice is needed for our people. And, and I wasn't there then. And then I woke up and thought, wow, well, now is the time. And I am, I am in the right era. I am in the right time. And I can be a voice for our people and join the the truth movement and the dissident artists to uplift to encourage to inspire and and that's that's what I'm doing so I'm I'm going to play another song off my album soon and I because I had a voice and because I have always had God pres- God's presence I couldn't I couldn't sit quietly I couldn't 
do nothing. The the urge in me was it was powerful. But with me being this little not wanting to offend anyone, not wanting to step on anyone's toes, not wanting to say the wrong thing. Um, the thought of being called a racist. <gasps> I don't know. Oh my word, because I'd been watching some of Mark's videos about George Floyd and the death and the autopsy. And with 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 my friends being so pro-Black Lives Matter. And I I knew I had to tell the truth. And I described it to Vaughn and I said, this is me jump literally jumping into the lion's den. I can't keep quiet. I can't pretend that this this hasn't happened. I can't I can't keep quiet because it's not true. And and so in this large group, um I I I was the voice and that took a lot of courage to actually say, well, hang on a minute. Have you actually looked behind the story of George Floyd and behind the story of Black Lives Matter and who's pushing this movement and the the mainly peaceful riots that were looting and and fires and destruction. And it the power of words, we are spellbound. The power of words is real, as I'm sure most people here have experienced or, or will experience. The word racist is so powerful. It, well, it was to me. I was I was dreading it. And I, at that time, was praying to God. And I said, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. Please don't make it be me that says this. Because I just didn't think I was, I was mentally strong enough to handle these attacks. And I did get the attacks. I was called a racist. I was called a Nazi. I was called a white supremacist. I was called an, an evil bigot. I was called all of them, all of the words. And because of my work, because of my music and my sound work, I was a public figure. I didn't have anything to hide. I started streaming with my name and my face out. Um, and because I was a public figure, the, the, the trolls were sending me the most vile death wishes, the most vile death threats. We, I, I won't repeat them because it's, it's, it's awful, but it really knocked me. And I just thought, I can't do this. But I, you know, my granddads, both of my granddads fought for this country. So they thought, you know, going to war, they thought they were doing the right thing, defending their country. And I kept saying to my family, I said, look, their blood is in my veins I have to do something. I have to be a voice. And I lost loads of friends. Boo-hoo-hoo. Not, you know, woe is me. But it's true, especially coming from the left liberal. And after a while, I moved back to England. And from there, the journey has been like a roller coaster. I think once you jump into the lion's den... It really has been a very fast, very intense, very up, very down ride. But to come back to the name of the show, truth hurts. And it does. The truth does hurt. But the lie hurts more. Or the lie, the lie is more like a, a plaster. It can, it can cover up. And lots of my friends who were still very much in that, you know, yoga healing world. And they just said, you know, focus on the light. Just, just look for the light. I said, well, I am doing, but 
behind the light is the truth. And the truth is the truth. It's not, it's not light. It's not dark. It's just true. And how we respond to that is, is, is how we respond to it. So I, I left Ibiza, came home and I'm going to play now the first song I wrote when, when I landed back in England. It's called Here's to England. Again, this is on my debut album. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about the song and then I'll talk a bit more about my conversation with Keir Starmer about the nation state law in Israel. So this is Here's to England. to England My home and my country Though I left her all those years ago I found my way back home I was just a girl of 26 years old When I left the shores of England all alone Though at 26 I should have had a husband And some children I could call my own Instead I flew the nest Without realising all that I was leaving behind Ten years on I finally appreciate Meaning of the blood and soil in this my homeland England, your beauty lies beyond that all the eyes can see You're deep within my very heart and my soul Within our blood and soil England, my country and my home Here's to England, my country and my home Here's to England Our home our country We are the children of these lands We will rise and we will stand as a nation Once again We will once again be free To come together with our community Free from all the guilt and shame that they have placed upon our name They will not destroy or take away our history We are opening our eyes We are seeing through the lies They have laid before the people in their sight But the truth is getting stronger They can no longer keep 
down because we're coming to unite England, your beauty lies beyond that all the eyes can see You're deep within our very hearts and our souls and I You are a part of us, you're deep within our blood and soil England, our country and our home Here's to England, our country and our home Here's to England, our country and our home Here's to England, our country and our home So that song has very quickly become a bit of an anthem um, in the in the groups I'm with because it was my first song landing back in England. And someone once said to me, gosh, do you, do you feel sad? Because obviously I left when I was 26 and in there I said, I, at 26 I should have had a husband and some children. It's, it's, not, um, it's not a sadness, it's just, it's how it was. It's the truth of my journey. But I've come back home and it coming back home was was again it it threw me. The England I knew ten years ago wasn't the England I left. I ended up spending some time in London and London London is no longer white. I when I got back I was in very involved with activism and activism online activism in in person obviously with my music and when i moved to london we went to some of the the um the the main spots in london trafalgar square um and houses of parliament westminster you know the london eye all the big tourist hotspots and we would stand there and with with our banners you know white lives matter um, immigration kills white lives. I, you know all these all these different slogans on the banners, and I I felt absolutely petrified of of doing something so bold and brash in the city of London, where the whites are the minority. And I sometimes I would think I could get stabbed here. Um, I I really could. There's there many sadly many people have lost their lives for something but much smaller than holding up a big White Lives Matter banner in the centre of London. And then people were saying to me, well, why don't you get a um, a protection vest, like a stab vest? And I thought, I don't want to walk around my home, my capital city, wearing a stab vest. What? What? No, that's not happening. And the England I left isn't the England I came home to, which made me even more determined to want to be a voice, to want to inspire people want to bring that that spark that love that god essence to a largely um deflated people that have seen the changes and lived the changes and you know if your family grew up in london and white flight is real you know people being for their own safety moving and seeing the change and living through it whereas I mine was a very big shock when I came and saw it rather than this boiling the frog so I remained you know being that that voice 
doing activism, whether it's behind the scenes activism. Um, a lady I, I most of you will know, um, Kate Fanning, Paris. I had a joint activism evening with her and a few other guys from London where we actually got into this event, BAME, BAME education event. And the video I took of Paris went viral because Katie was talking to this lady about the the most underprivileged people in this country are white boys, white working class boys. And because this is so alien to my my growing up, my my journey, sometimes like it still shocks me now. And I had a joke and when I was on um Blackbird Nine kindly invited me on stream with him again a, a link through Vaughn and Blackbird has been on stream with me and when he said to me do you want do you want a show on speak free radio and I just thought can this get any more surreal I'm just I'm just an ex-liberal <laughs> I'm just an ex-protestant liberal that used to bumble around but I've always I have always had this spark and I've always had this determination to to look after those in need and that's us. And there was a lot of deprogramming I had to go through. So even still, I'm 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 deprogramming the this the spell with words and the spell with indoctrination and the propaganda is is heavy. And I see myself as a bridge for for those either on the edge, for those that are slowly, slowly waking up. And we've just had the census report here um in the UK. And the figures are, you know, people can't ignore that. So even if there are still people thinking, oh, and I don't know if people hear this, like, well, I'm not a racist, but, and it's, I, I don't use the word racist. If you do, make sure it's in speech marks, inverted commas, because it's not a real word. It's a weapon. So don't, don't absorb that word. Let it go. Um, but still people say, oh, I'm not racist, but, you know, most of the shops in my street um, are owned by non-whites. And this this whole white privilege that's being thrown in people's offices, in schools, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but that's that's where I saw at that time and still do that I am like, I want to act as the bridge for those maybe still floating around the left, maybe those that are still at conservative level, um, but not not comfortable with um, nationalism, not comfortable with anything further than the conservatives that really aren't conserving anything. So that's that's part of my story and that's part of my journey. And here I am. Blackbird said, well, do you want to have your own show? I said, absolutely, yes, please. So the I'm going to be live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. UK time is nine till ten and um, eastern time is four to five and thursdays is going to be my guest evening i'm 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 booking guests in to do the thursday show so it's not just me um it's nice to have some company and to look at different different avenues different people's expect um perspectives journeys i do like i like being very personal with people because i like to hear how people got to where they are and Tuesdays will be myself. I'll be playing music that I've made. And if you are a musician, if you are a, a poet, if you are an artist, I would love 
to showcase your music on here to show people the vast diversity that we can offer through music, through poetry, through different genres. So if you would like to send me some music, MP3s are better. My email is truthhurts, so truthhz, SFR, for Speak Free Radio, at proton.me. Um, send me a bio, send me your tracks. I would love to showcase because in a world full of, not full, in a world where we are surrounded by destruction and the the attack on the arts and the attack on culture and the attack on our heritage and history, one of the best forms of activism we can do is create to counter that. So I'll be playing my own songs, other people's songs, and I'll also be looking into certain parts of history that have fascinated me, that have, again, woken me up. As I said, um, Dave McGowan's um, Weird Scenes in the Canyon and the hippie movement and, and the music of the, the movement. And I'd love to get maybe um, Blackbird on to talk about the moon and and the moon landings and listening to people's stories of you know the music they're into whether it's jazz piano or classical music so it's going to be i'm not a a political commentator never have been <laughs> i was apolitical for over half of my life and so it's i will share as much as I can, but I'm really not one of these high-end political commentators. I am a bridge. I am someone that was rescued from liberalism. I have been rescued from Protestantism. I am in the process of converting to Catholicism, which is the faith of Europe. It's Europe is the faith. Faith is Europe. Um, I don't want that to put people off. I don't want people. To, oh, oh, she's she's going to push God on us. I'm really not. I'm, I can only speak from my experience. So there will be more of my experience, more of my journey and listening to other people and our history and culture from the ancient Greeks to the Romans to current day architecture. And um, so that's how the show is going to go. Um, I have my first guest booked in for next Thursday. It won't be, I don't know if it will be live, but if not, it will definitely be the pre-recording. I'm having Bishop Williamson on as my first guest next Thursday. So this coming Thursday will be the, the second part of my, my journey. And then next week, it will be um, guest week on a Thursday. So I would just like to share, and thank you for bearing with my voice, if you're still here, if you have been able to. Um, you can find me, I am shadow banned for obvious reasons, I am shadow banned. You can find me on Odyssey at the White Butterfly, on YouTube, which I'm, I'm hopefully moving away from, but because I can still be a bridge, whilst I can still have my YouTube channel, I, I want to. Um, you can find me on YouTube at JodyK7918, and you can find me on Telegram at the White Butterfly sorry, at the white underscore butterfly. So that's how you can get hold of me. And if you have liked the music you've heard, my album is available on my website, which is www.jodyk.com. 
And you can have a sample of all the tracks that are on my album. There's 14 tracks on there that have been written, recorded, produced by myself. So I've, I've learned a lot of new skills doing that. I had some help with the mastering, which was exceedingly kind. And I am going to play, <laughs> excuse me, um, another song, which is called White. And a lot of my music is multimedia. So the, the videos that I make um, are meant to represent the song. So by all means, this one's called White. So if you wanted to find that on YouTube or Odyssey, you can. Um, and again, the video is very powerful. It's showing, it's not even all of them. It's showing some of the victims that have been, um, that had their lives taken in the name of diversity and how we should not be ashamed of who we are and our people. And because I have experienced that, there are still so many others that are where I was. And so that's what I want to do, help people make that leap across the bridge or the fence. So this one is called White. No, it's not. This is the call of Western man.
So that song is not called White, that is The Fall of Western Man and that came from, again, Mark's, Mark Collette's book, The Fall of Western Man. I read that whilst I was in Ibiza and I learnt so much from it and when I read it I thought, my goodness, this could have been written about me. Um, so it was painful in places when you actually wake up and realise how how you've been led and how we've been, well, propaganda to come back to that word, how you've been propagandized. So for me, it was quite a difficult read, but I'm, it's a must read in my opinion. Um, he talks about the breakdown of society and where that comes from and, and why that's there from the family, from, from religion to the family, to, you know, the local police officer that used to you know, be around on the streets. So that song was um, against um, for Mark Collette's book. I am coming to the end of the show. I will be back on Thursday. I'm resting my voice tomorrow and Thursday, so I won't be so croaky. Um, thank you for staying with me, and I'll be back next Thursday. Take care. <laughs>